This week on the Be Ready Training Podcast, I was joined by athletic development coach Nick Ellums. Nick works out of the O2 Performance Academy on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. He predominantly works with youth athletes and throughout this episode, Nick goes through how he makes the most of his time with the athletes working under him, common issues he sees, cues he uses and what has helped him put on size to cope with the demands of rugby league. Thank you very much for listening. Happy Easter, Nick. Welcome to the Be Ready Training Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. How are you? How are you, Billy? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me on, mate. Not a bother. It's a pleasure to have you. How was your weekend so far in Canberra? I believe it's, what, seven, half seven at the moment, p.m.? Oh, no, up on the sunny coast, actually. Yeah, up in Queensland. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's been really good, but um, haven't been able to do much, but just getting outside when I can. So, yeah. Sweet. My, my, mis- my mistake there, thinking you were in Canberra, I could edit that yeah, out with, good, the, uh, good. with the Pro Tools or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll kick off. First of all, I suppose I just want to hear about how you as a coach have been dealing with COVID thus far. Yeah, it's been a little bit difficult because, you know, primarily I work with, with younger kids sort of from some nine up until sort of 17, 18. And, and it's mostly that younger age bracket. And with those guys, it's a little bit difficult. I suppose to just transfer everything online and have it completely online because they don't have that training age underneath them. They don't have that understanding of of, um, of exercises and that. So for the few older guys I've trained, it's been all right. I run most of my programming through Team Builder with those guys. Sweet. So that's been yeah. pretty seamless, you know, just going all on there with YouTube links, et cetera. So we, so we did a fair bit of filming once the gym first uh, shut down just to be mm-hmm. prepared for that. And with the younger guys, I've been able to over in Australia. We're still allowed to train one person out of our out of our garage, sort of thing. So you know, as long as we maintain social distancing and, and hygiene practices, it's all good. So that's been you know fortunate in that respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Leading up to this point, um, who have been kind of the main influences in your career, and how did you end up in the position you're in? Ah, uh, so. To, to start at O2, I, I interned or, or sort of shadowed under the owner. His name's Miguel, and that was about two or three years ago at, at his previous gym. And at that point in time, I just started uh, studying sports science here on the study coast. So, Great. yeah, I just started building a bit of a connection with him. And, and towards the end of that little internship, he started talking about how he had plans to, to open up a big facility. And so that was really exciting. And then And then... Once the facility got built, he sort of brought me across and, and that was, yeah, that was a huge opportunity for me, you know, you know, just yeah, being able to right. do that alongside my studies. Um, and then probably from a business and logistical standpoint, um, there's another trainer at the gym named Geordie. He runs his own company called Perspective Training and, mm-hmm. and he's been a huge help. So I've just been able to sort of learn from him because he's, you know, got an established business and we've been able to work together. And bounce ideas so that's that's been a huge help yeah okay great yeah it looks like you're doing great stuff both yourself and Jordy, because i've seen i I've, I've came across yourself on instagram and then through um yourself i saw perspective training so and yeah with o2 with o2 performance as well the facility you have there is unbelievable can you just kind of describe that for people who haven't seen it yet yeah so O2 Performance sits in what's called the sports hub. So that's sort of a larger bit, a larger center, which includes physios, nutritionists, dietitians, obviously the gym. It's got yoga. It's got a full recovery studio upstairs. So that's a separate business. And, and they've got, you know, hot and cold 
ice bars, Normatec compressions, saunas. So, I mean, it's one sort of big holistic hub where the idea is that everything is there. You know, you've got your physio appointment and then you can duck into the gym and, and go upstairs and recover. So, yeah, it's an it's a amazing facility. So. You've got you've got it all going on. Yeah, I envy the I envy the athletes, and I get to train. At, let yeah. alone the coach. Yeah. I get to coach there. It looks pretty slick. Um, aside from Jordy and Miguel, who would have been coaches that you've looked up to? I suppose even through books or whatever, through your studies that you've come across that you have become, um, I suppose, uh, a supporter of their systems. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, I think Instagram has been a massive tool for me. I know it, it cops a bit of a bad rap in that people think, you know, oh, we're spending too much time on social media. But on the other side of the coin, it's it's been a huge help. So guys like, um, I'm, I'm sure you would have seen like Grant Fowler, Fowler with yeah. Fowler Fitness. Yeah, like just mm-hmm. recently, I've been really sort of being able to connect with his ideology, his methodology and um, take bits away from him. And guys in sort of the youth sector with, um bba performance over in okay. america um i'm not sure of i think his name's michael but i'm not sure his last name and um gotcha. jeremy frisch with achieve mm. performance he's been jeremy Fisher, huge, yeah, in, yeah like, in new york those guys constantly put out great ideas and and um yeah they've been huge helps so yeah yeah i was um yeah true jeremy fisher's work and like it's very it is quite similar to yours in terms of mm. how you structure yeah. your sessions which i'd love to talk about in a second i saw that you have um or that you just released your one by 20 program using bands mm-hmm. which i thought was an excellent idea without giving too yeah. much away what are some of the movements that you're using in that program um so basically just from from the structure of the program just making sure we're ticking off each movement part okay so we've got hinges you know a fair bit of unilateral work just to make it a little bit more difficult because things like a you know a bilateral banded squat it reaches a certain point where it you know gets quite easy so and then adding in things like tempo and and obviously the one by 20 in itself is a good way to get more volume in and and expose sort of the the athletes to more movement patterns yeah. definitely no it looks good um, i saw your banded rows that you have going on as well that i've been showing into my own training and um, here in yeah, my garage awesome. so yeah. Trying to make trying to make the most from the least. So, with regards to coaching a youth athletes, what would be the main areas of focus when you first meet a group or an individual athlete when they come into? Yeah, so especially when they come in, the biggest thing I'm looking for is is how they move. So, in today's day and age, backyards are getting much smaller. Kids don't have that ability to you know climb trees in their backyard. Um, you know, going out in the neighbourhood and playing around with, you know, other kids is is becoming less and less of a thing. And on the same, and then additionally, sports seasons are becoming longer. And so I, I know with a lot of my athletes, I mean, they might play rugby league for, you know, just over half the year. And then for the, you know, other two or three months, they might play tag or touch football. I'm not sure if you're yeah, familiar with those, but yeah, Again, sure. they're very similar sports in the sense that it involves passing, you know, the same shape footy. So I think, yeah. you know, kids aren't getting that wide breadth of, of movement variability. And so oftentimes they can come in and they lack sort of that, that foundational strength and that motor control. And, and so when we go to do things like crawling and, and things like split squats, you know, there's 
there's a fair bit of, of weakness there that you can see and yeah. Definitely, yeah, because it's something I wanted to touch on, like what are those glaring weaknesses you see um, mm. and crawling and the uh, movements that you're using or that I've seen using uh, are no doubt very beneficial for them. But where would be, like for you, where are those weaknesses? Where are they breaking down? Is it through their midline? Would it be a mobility issue? What have been kind of mm. the common factors you've seen? Yeah, so sort of recently, um, one of the biggest things I was seeing is is it starts sort of from the ground up. And I think kids are spending more time and, and everyone in general in society is spending more time in shoes. And so yeah. kids aren't outside yeah. free playing barefoot. So, you know, when they come in, you'll often see a lot of, you know, we'll just be doing a split squat and you'll see inversion, eversion of the foot. So, you know, an inability to control that foot, have it grounded. And then, you know, as we know, everything up the chain subsequently gets affected. So, yeah. I hear you. Would most of your sessions be individual based or would you would the majority be in groups? Uh mostly in groups, especially with the younger kids. Um, you know, I've I've done a few individual sessions in the past and I still do with younger kids, but it's a little bit more difficult to keep them engaged. So it, being in groups, it's much easier to make it more games based and and have that implicit learning because you know, kids oftentimes don't understand the greater, you know, greater meaning behind why they're training. They can't make that connection. Some yeah. can, but many can't. So it's it's important you make that learning implicit through games or interactive sort of styles, yeah. Definitely, and I've seen you incorporate all that stuff as well uh, from the warm-up. Could you just give examples of a couple of games that you may play um, with the lads during their sessions? Yeah, so... One of the ones um, recently, I think, I think you put it up actually, or or USA Football MT. I put it up with the, the bear crawl, yeah, the wrist, the wrist uh, grab game where yeah, you, know, you get the athletes down in in that sort of bear crawl or push up position, and and so just getting them down on the ground and and being connected to the ground and using their their trunk and their core as a system, and and so being able to move in that. Um, we do lots of games with uh, tennis balls and that. So BBA, Michael at BBA has been huge. He puts out a lot of good content with with things like tennis balls and dowels. So mm-hmm. a lot of uh, partner dow stuff. And that's that's really come in handy at the moment, actually. You know, limited with equipment. And I've got a few guys that I go to their house. So, you know, if okay. they've got siblings and that, bringing like a dowel over has been a huge help. So keep them right. engaged that way, yeah. Yeah, no, it looks it looks very enjoyable. Can you after the warm up, then just moving on to your sessions? Can you just give an example of um, the structure of a typical session? How that would look for your athletes? Yeah, so oftentimes I might be only seeing my my guys maybe once or twice a week, and so I think it's important in that sense that we make the most of our time. So a lot of it is just checking through our basic movement patterns. So, you know, we'll have a horizontal push and we might pair that with a horizontal row. For, so, for instance, with our younger guys, that might just be a push-up with a TRX row, as simple as that. And so, and then things with our push-ups we can progress is, you know, we can add in a lateral walk and, and you know, make it a yoga push-up where we do the downward dog. Things, gotcha. Little things like that and um, manipulating the tempo again. So. I found that the TRX row you can you can milk so much out of it when you you know manipulate you know how high their feet are up you know tempo pausing at the top so and then you know we'll go through we'll have a bilateral lower body so a squat 
then we'll make sure we do a, a unilateral movement for the lower body. And we're just, we're just essentially learning those movement patterns. And I Correct. always like to finish with some sort of game, you know, whether that might be a bear crawl race or, or something like that. I just find it, it helps the kids leave on a high. You know, yeah. their endorphins are running. They've had fun to finish the session. And that's sort of the last thing they remember. So it's of fun, a bit of strength, motor control work, and then we finish with fun again just to, you know, keep that the overarching emphasis. Gotcha. And, like, um, helping them to look forward to the next session and, exactly. and the because, that as well. Like, it's a very important part, right? Yeah, because, you know, and kids will be honest with their parents, especially if they don't understand, the you know, the greater reason behind why they're training. They'll be completely honest with their parents. Oh, I hated the session. I don't want to go back. And, you know, so they'll be honest. Yeah. So you've got to make sure it's it's constantly novel and it's fun and, yeah. Nice one. And do you find that as a coach, like I'm at, I don't know how many sessions you're taking a day or whatever, but um, your energy, how how is that affected after a long day's coaching or how many hours are you completing each day? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I mean, you know, my, my business is still growing at the moment, but, you know, sometimes I'll have a few sessions in the morning, I'll head off to uni and then, you, you know, during the day, I might have a few more sessions and then I'd head off to football after. So they can turn into to pretty long days, sort of starting at 6 and then finishing up at 8.30 at footy. So, you know, but I'm pretty fortunate that, you know, I've, I still have downtime and I'm able to sort of recuperate, yeah. Okay. With your athletes, um, have you come across much mobility issues or would it be more of that motor control issue that you've mentioned? Yeah, so... I think with the with my older athletes, once we sort of start getting up past you know fourteen, fifteen, and we and we we start to focus a little bit more on mobility. And that's not to say with our younger guys we don't focus on it. But as I said, you know we got to try and maximise how much time we have in there. And, and I've been I've been viewing things more of is it a is it a mobility or strength issue, or is it a motor control issue? Do they just not have that neural coordination? to be able to right. perform certain lifts or get into certain positions. So yeah. that's that's how I've sort of been viewing it. Just a little bit of mobility work, but I don't think it's, you know, one of the big priorities with the younger guys. Mm. So for your work with the youth athletes, preparation is obviously that the foundation that you're just trying to build is kind of like uh, increasing their ability to complete um, movements in every plane and prepare them for what's mm. to come going forward. Would you find parents that are kind of like, want their kids to specify very early in a certain sport and if so how do you deal with that yeah so that, that's very common so i'll oftentimes have parents come in and you know their kid might be 12 and they'll start talking about oh you know need them to work on their explosive power off the line and and, and lines like that and, and you know you know what they mean but it's 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 difficult sometimes to try and communicate that to them that their kid just needs to learn how to move properly and develop a baseline level of, of strength. So, I mean, you know, running my own business is important that you, you know, you've tread that line of making sure you're keeping the parents happy. But then when you go into the session, it's it's really just about those basics and, and learning how to move well and getting that base level of strength. Yeah, I suppose in that sense, like communication is a huge side of what you do as well because mm -hmm. you're approaching it from the side of your athletes and then the side of their parents so yeah. it's kind of like then being able to cross that over do you find that a challenge or do you have any tips as to for coaches that are having that issue with them their athletes parents 
for how could how they can do with that or i suppose make it clear to them that it's within their best within your best interest to make the most of these sessions for their children yeah so i've found that um i've tried to really take a keen interest in you know the kids sport because i've i've been training some highland dancers some kids who do wow. motocross um surf life-saving kids and and all those sports you know i'm not really too too familiar with so i think it was really important at the start that i just sat down with the parents and i, I sort of spoke to them about the sport and, and sort of you know maybe got them to show me a video or two of them their kids competing and then and then just really ask them what they want from their kids and then yeah. you know i can sort of come back with a little little bit of an answer and, and structure my program that way great moving into general coaching um, I've seen you do some work with swimmers. What would be the main area of focus here for the swimmers to help them, I suppose, get the most from their training when they're outside of the water? Yeah, so with the swimmers, we uh, we take a big focus on sort of trunk stiffness. So, you know, when they're moving through the water, we want to try and minimise, you know, energy leaks in, in unwanted directions. So, yeah, yeah lots, of, lots of tall kneeling stuff where we're focusing on maintaining that trunk positioning. We do lots of... Uh, sort of dumbbell overhead pressing where we're up in that tall kneeling position or we might be we're doing a seated press without the without the back support so really just focusing on on trying to maintain a nice upright posture yeah yeah because yeah, i assume in the climate that you're living in swimming is far more common um especially in the yeah, sea that it is where we are <laughs> here so no i was very interested yeah. in, in, in seeing that and the shoulder stability work you're doing as well with the yeah yeah definitely again things are very important yeah uh, have you any kind of go-to testing protocols that you would do with an athlete that comes to you off the bat? Uh, so in terms of my initial testing, um, I wouldn't say I've got a, a clear structure in place. And that's partly because a lot of the times, you know, my first session with a few guys might be a group of four kids and they might be 12 years old. So I think it's difficult, you know, for them to come in and then all of a sudden I just go, all right, we're going to do these boring tests. And then at the end of the session, they go to their parents, I didn't enjoy that one bit, yeah, and then yeah. they won't come back. So it, it's, you know, it can be difficult trying to find that line, but I guess I'd just take a really simplistic approach at the start. Just I just want to see can they crawl, can they do a split squat, and what are the sort of things that are happening? Do they, do they lack dorsiflexion at the ankle when they perform a squat? And so yeah. I don't think we always need to do – you know, quantitative tests and get exact data, although it can be very useful when you're, you know, in larger team settings or, or more higher level athletes. But for the youth guys, just sort of seeing how they move, can they perform push-ups? Can they sort of hang from a bar or do they have a quite a low relative strength? So yeah. that's how I sort of approach it. In my experience, like I suppose the hinge would be a huge challenge for a lot of people. Mm. And it's yeah. what, like over time, it's been very surprising to me. So it's kind of trying to find cues that help people. And as you know, like different cues work better for different athletes. Mm-hmm. Else it is, and um, especially the single leg RDL, I find tough with the with the yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, twi- they're twisting open. What would be your cues? What are your go to cues in order to help them um, efficiently perform? Well, RDL? Yeah. So yeah. I actually filmed a, a video on my garage about this yesterday that I'm going to put up this coming okay. week. So looking forward so, to it. Yeah, I typically start with, um, so just down on your knees, tall kneeling position, so hinging back down, standing up, squeezing your glutes. That's the very first thing I like to do. And then cool. get the athletes to jump up 
and I'll get them to sort of stand a few inches from the wall and I'll cue soft knees and then just imagine you're reaching back to to find the seat as opposed to squatting down. So I really try and communicate that we've we've got our squats and we've got our hinge and they're, and they're two completely different movements. And on our hinge, we're going to have soft knees and we want to reach back and find that sort of bar stool. And so... And, and then we'll start to add a um, kettlebell in the goblet position. And so they'll hinge till their glutes touch the wall. And that sort of offers a bit of a counterbalance. So it allows them to get into that position a bit easier. And then, yeah. and then from there, we'll, uh, we'll move on to, to the barbell eventually. Nice one. Another one that I've had trouble with um, is the push-up. Basic movement. Mm. I think it's performed terribly yeah. worldwide uh, oh, as it's on. Uh, on Twitter the other day, it's like uh, some coach, I, I can't remember his name, escapes me right now, but it was like one thing that COVID has taught us is that the push-up is a, is a, a terribly performed movement yeah. all, all over this planet. So what are some things there that you see? I know with me, it's that shrug up or the breaking of the hips. Is there anything that you'd um, cue to prevent that from occurring? Yeah, but well, I, I agree firstly massively that the, the push-up is, is just butchered all the time, all the time. I'll often get kids in and I'll say, you know, show us how many push-ups you do and they'll start repping them out and it'll just be horrible form and, and you know. So one yeah. of the first things I like to, to talk to them about is so oftentimes, you know, kids and that will press and their elbows will be really wide. So Fairing, yeah. I like to cue them getting them into that 45-degree angle from their body. Nice. So if we had tucked in right against the side, flared completely out, we want to find that middle ground. And then – Secondly, from that, I like to cue, squeeze your glutes, and then again, so that ensures that the body's moving as one straight unit. And then, gotcha. again, trying to bring the lower part of your chest down to the ground. So I'll oftentimes put a, a cone or a tennis ball down there. And so that sort of helps them cue, keeping their chest up, their, their chest up and their eyes looking forward. So they're sort of bringing the lower chest line down to the edge of the ball and coming up from there. Because oftentimes kids will, will dip their head forward and that's what causes that elbow flare out. So if we can get them to keep their chest up and aim for the lower part, it seems to solve a fair few issues from there. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I like that because it's a conversation I was having with a coach here in Cork recently and the, the, he gave me the thought of adding kind of a metronome to the push-up. So mm-hmm. to really yeah, – yeah push-up test perhaps just to see like or just be able to identify where you are breaking down and why that may be and um, because mm-hmm. as you alluded to at the beginning like we're just a chain anyway so i think and um, that's something that i'm going to be playing around with going forward yeah i utilize that the tempo a fair bit with with push-ups yeah it's a big one, nice one. dialing technique yeah and it's like you know, from a young age, if you teach them, like, the, these are the standards and this is what we want to see and this is what's happening, it, like, it's going to serve to them in every single movement that they do going forward, I feel like. Yeah, just yeah. trying to just be able to hit those standards. Even yesterday, I had my father who was trying to do push-ups in the back garden and I just had him doing holes in that kneeling position because, you know, yeah. that, the, the ex- extension of the lower back occurs, like, in yeah, it, yeah. a very difficult thing as well to kind of reteach that when you are mm. uh, you know when you are a man of his age so to be able to talk yeah, under and maintain a strong position is, is a skill in itself um just kicking on to being a coach especially in college or studying sports science like yourself other than that what other other challenges that you have come across that you've had to deal with um so i think 
I was, I, my sort of fitness journey started when I was about, I think about 10. So I've always sort of had a, you know, a passion for, for training and fitness. And as the years went on, you know, I slowly watched more YouTube videos and read more books. And yeah. it wasn't up until I sort of started coaching and even a few months into my coaching career that things started to click a little bit more. So because there's so much information out there, I oftentimes felt overwhelmed because, you know, where does it all fit into place? So yeah, I've, I've sort of had to take a step back and, and through experience, I've started to learn to view everything as a, you know, one big holistic picture. And the word holistic gets thrown around a lot, but I think it's very important to use and, and sort of imagine that it's like a big jigsaw puzzle and we want to try and work out where that might fit into the jigsaw puzzle and you know is that correct in the context of the athlete so yeah just trying to sort of solidify everything and and take things for what they're worth especially on instagram because you're bombarded with so many videos and you've sort of got to decipher well is that really you know right for my guys or or what parts of that can i take away and implement so that's probably been the biggest challenge yeah, and I would exactly use that word as well, overwhelming. Like it's with the amount mm. of content coming out there these days and um, with the books available and the great coaches writing them. And we, I want it, I want it all, you know, I want it all. Exactly. But, and I was speaking to this about um, with Stephen Casey, a coach here who I had in the last episode. And he gave yeah, me great yeah. advice a few months back, which was with he stressed pushing one topic or one subject and kind of nailing that mm. for a month and then moving on so that's something that i'm kind of trying to play around with at the moment as well um yeah something that you've changed your mind on over the last couple of years if there is anything what has it been and where have you applied it to yeah that's a tough one i wouldn't say there's anything in like one thing in particular that i've sort of changed my mind on um i think maybe sort of before i started my coaching career i was very very quick to sort of just completely rule out exercises so you know i thought nah they're just they're not you know quote unquote safe and yeah. and the more i've sort of you know experienced coaching and learned i've realized that you know everything is sort of position and context specific so if you get injured in a position that's because you had an inability to to control there the body didn't feel stable and then that's where injury happened and i know there's a there's a big movement, you know, with the knees over toes, and I'm sure you've you've seen all about it. And I think um, you never want to go completely all in on, on one ideology, but I have taken a fair fair bit away from 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 that work and and utilised it in the sense of training through the whole range of motion and trying to uh, make the body robust and and bulletproof in a sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But the knees over toes, especially and that and, and that movement, I'm I'm really enjoying exploring that, which brings, um, or which led me to look more into the foot and the mm-hmm. effect that the foot has, because it's something that was completely overshadowed over the last couple of years in in my coaching mm-hmm. and my learning as well. So no, it's good to have that to kind of, um, or that side of things to open up more doors for you. And as you said at the beginning as well, it's like build that solid foundation because there's so much to it, and it's uh, well, one day at a time yeah well i think you know i've been guilty of this that if you overlook the foot that you know say you might be queuing a split squat and, you, and you're focusing what's happening at the knee and the hip you know at the chest maybe are they are they collapsing over but if we don't take the time to acknowledge what's happening at the foot we can cue like the rest of the body but 
there's a good chance it won't solve any of it because it's it's originating down at the you know the base of the stream. So. Quality, yeah. With me as well, I took a few years off sport, uh, just with work and coaching and stuff kind of took over. But going back to it in the last year then, and just how much extra work I had to do on exposing myself to the stimulus that I would be getting on the pitch was unbelievable. Because just being in that sagittal plane or frontal plane was something that I wasn't, or the frontal plane wasn't something that I was training enough by any stretch of the imagination. So now it was, um, and I found that going back to sport as well really helped me in my training to learn far more and kind of take it down a different path or different rabbit holes. But sure, we could we could chat about that all day long as well. Yeah. It, it leads me nicely though into your rugby league and to your training specifically. So you're training with the Sunshine Coast or you're uh, playing with the Sunshine Coast Falcons in rugby league. Um, prior to yeah. COVID, first of all, how did you find juggling your training and coaching? I know you alluded to slightly at the start, but in terms of just a typical week of in-season and when you're coaching, how would that look? Yeah, so it was quite a – I wouldn't say it was overly difficult because I was quite lucky that the O2 Performance, the sports hub, is actually across the road from our, our training headquarters. And there, you know, there's no there's no coincidence behind that. There's, you know, obviously that's the, the goal to sort of have that whole area as the big sort of, you know, the big hub. So it was easy in that sense that I was able to to finish training. But I was I was always sort of, you know, a little bit late to training. And, and that was fine with the coach. But my sort of peak times are in the morning and, and after school, especially because I'm training youth athletes. So yeah. we're tra- we're starting training at at four thirty, and and you know, that's you know my peak coaching time. So I was able to I was able to um, we, we would start gym at four thirty over at at, uh, at the Falcons. We we train in another gym at the moment, just logistically, it just doesn't work for the Falcons to train at the O2 Performance, but. So I'd sort of miss out on that. And I was able to, that was all right because I was able to sort of keep my training individualized and, and keep experimenting Great. with myself. So that was a little bit of a win. But then, you know, I'd head over just after sort of 5, 5.30 and, and get onto the field work. So, Okay. Yeah. Over the last couple of years, what have been your main weaknesses physically? Uh, so I um I played halfback sort of okay. up until – up until last year, actually, so my whole career since I was five, so I was halfback. I was I was always quite small, quite undersized, and I was just sort of, I I'd, I'd say I was just sort of surviving out there, hanging in there. I mean, I was making rep teams and that, but I was never able to to do too much. I was just I was just too small. And then sort of in the last year, I've um I've trans transitioned to lock. So I played that last year for about half the year, second half of the year, and um. Yeah, we went on to to win the premiership last year, and so that was really good. And then and then this year started sort of promising. Um, was playing lock again, and but you know, as you know, season's been cancelled, so we'll have to wait until next year. But yeah, it was the biggest thing was just sort of trying to put on that size. So once I transitioned to to the lock position, just being in the middle, I just had to make sure you know I was physically up to it and and eating enough and, and training very hard. So, yeah. Um, that leads us into nutrition. How or what were the things that you changed or added to your diet? Or was it kind of your the same diet you were just eating more of certain foods in order to put in that size? I found, yeah, I found that, uh, that shakes and smoothies have been, have been absolutely massive. I mean, 
Especially for a coach on the go, you can just take and go. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. So I mean, you can you can pack a thousand calories into a shake if you really want. You know, milk, peanut butter, frozen fruits, protein powder. So yeah, things like that. Um, you know, I've been I consume a fair bit of cereal to be honest. I mean, it's probably you know the best for you, but as an after dinner snack, you know, it's great. And and I struggled to put on weight for a long time actually, and. People will say you can do it completely clean, but as a young fellow, I'm, I'm not completely sold that you can. And I'm no. not saying go out and, you know, eat Maccas and, yeah. and whatnot. Just to, be, but, just to be clear, that's clean foods rather than any performance-enhancing drugs we're talking about here, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, just things like, you know, cereals and, and maybe throwing, if, you, if you're really serious about putting on weight, maybe throwing a bit of ice cream in your in your shake or, or something like that. Just things, little things like that can help you yeah. a lot. Get creative with it. <laughs> yeah, cream. exactly. Have you been lucky enough to escape injury so far in your career? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, from a soft tissue injury standpoint, I've been, I've been quite lucky. I, I haven't really had any, any serious injuries with that. And, you know, I partly attribute that down to, to my training and, you know, my knowledge in, in the field. So, but obviously touch wood, you know, injuries can happen at any time. We're not ever completely bulletproof, but I did suffer, uh, I broke my skateboard about, I think it was towards the end of 2018 um, and that hasn't actually healed since. So still, still walking around with a broken skateboard, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking to get surgery sometime this year with footy being cancelled. So well, yeah, it would be um, a good opportunity to do so because I know that scaphoid can cause awful issues. I've actually damaged my yeah. one. I've done mine doing um, a few years back, well, about two, maybe more, two and a half, three years ago, doing a clean. So a barbell mm-hmm. in the bottom of the clean just slipped out of my thumb and just crushed the bone down. And that, mm-hmm. took, that took the bones of maybe six to nine months to get right. You know, I was, yeah. it was all over the place. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a dodgy one. But yeah, it's good to hear. But I think with injuries, you know, for coaches especially it's a great way it's a great learning process as well what works what doesn't work and it kind of helps you to explore other avenues as well so you know trying to look trying to look at the bright side of of getting injured here but yeah yeah um lastly before we are quick fire round what would be your long-term goal firstly in coaching but also in rugby league so with my coaching goals I'm, I'm not entirely sure where i you know envisage my future but you know, at the moment, I'm, I'm content sort of, you know, developing my own private business and, and I'm keen to continue growing that. But ultimately, I think I see myself transitioning into to sort of sporting organisations or, or colleges over in America, things like that. Just I think once I, you know, if I if I stop playing footy in the next few years, I think, you know, I might I might really miss, you know, that high performance environment and just being around high-performance athletes and, and diving into that culture. So ultimately, I think that's where my career will take me. But I'm I'm always open to anything. You know, I I wasn't even really sold on whether I was going to go into the strength conditioning profession right up until, I, you know, after I finished school. And I thought I was going to go into teaching. And then I just took a dive and, and then, you know, O2 performance happened. So you, you never know where these opportunities are going to present themselves. You just got to be putting your best foot forward. And um, from a from a footballing standpoint, I'm not, you know, I'm not. That's not where my main focus is. I'm more focused on my business. Um, 
I just want to continue enjoying my footy and, and we'll see where it takes me. But, yeah, that's that's not my biggest priority. Um, I still enjoy the process of, of getting ready for a game each week and, and being an athlete. But, yeah. yeah, we'll just see where it goes. Do many of your teammates, would you find them picking your brain or annoying you for a program here and there? Is that okay? Do they kind of separate it? <laughs> yeah, I was, it was pretty funny, actually. Um, when we sort of received the news that, that well, initially they, they told us that the season was going to be put on hold for three months. And so, you know, a fair few of the boys were jokingly saying, like, hit Nick up for, for a training program during this time. Yeah. But, you know, no, they're, <laughs> they're pretty good. Like, we've got our own S&C coach. So, you know, he okay. takes takes care of most of the, the programming and that. And so, and he's good to, to have a chat to and bounce some ideas off. So. You don't you don't want to be caught anyway for friend rates and all that. Like, you know, you'd be losing. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I wish you the very best with both your business and your rugby. Moving into the quick fire round before I leave you go. Um, who is your favorite athlete and why? Oh, oh, I'd say I'm not sure if you're aware of him, but Jared Hayne. Um, he's made the headlines in the last few years, probably for some not so ideal uh, situations, but back yeah. So, so he was in the NRL for a few years and, and won, you know, the best player a couple of times. And then he actually, he stuck his hand in American football. So he went over to the NFL and he, uh, he played one or two games for the Niners actually. Wow. So he, he made the 53, but he, he dropped one of the punts on his, I think his first kick reception and, from then on, they, they just didn't like him anymore. So, <laughs> Jared Hayne, is that the name? Jared Hayne, yeah. yeah. Check him out. Yeah, check him out. Yeah, he's, it was in his day, an absolute freak. And I think he, he played um, rugby sevens at the at the Olympics for Fiji as well. And, yeah, he was a phenomenal athlete. So. An all-rounder. What moment in sport over the last decade stands out for you most? Oh, Jeez, that's a that's a really tough question, actually. Um, oh, I'm not. I'm not sure if I've got anything for that. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I can't think of one off the top of my head. It's all good from here. And this isn't this isn't a dig at the Aussies, but it was Wilkinson's drop goal in 03 when they smoked you guys when England smoked. Yeah, England. right. <laughs> that just comes to my mind straight away. Um, right. Last one, 12-hour flight. The plane has three seats. Who are they taken up by and why? Whoa. Yourself and three others. Okay. Dead okay. or alive. Uh, no family allowed either. Okay. Um, I'm going to stick with the, you know, the S&C profession. I'm going to go Brett Bartholomew. Sweet, yeah. I think he'd be a great one to have a chat to. Um mm-hmm. Or I think someone like someone like The Rock, you know, <laughs> The Rock yeah. would be awesome to have a chat to, just to, you know, even get a session in, in with him once we landed <laughs> if we could. Um, or lastly, um, maybe someone like Tom Brady, just to, just to dig his mind on, you know, he, he's been at the top of the game for – for 17 years or whatever, someone like him would be really interesting to speak to on how he prepares for for his games and, yeah. Yeah, 
Sounds like sounds like a flight I'd like to be on, no doubt. Where can, <laughs> where can people find you if they have any questions or queries? Uh, so on Instagram, just search Nick Elms Performance. Um, I've just actually launched my website uh, this week. So website's up as well. That'll be in the link in the Instagram. But, yeah, my Instagram, you know, is the best place to, to find all my content. So, yeah, yeah Nick Elms Performance. Nice one. And I would recommend it too. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. You're giving up your time. Um, we look forward to seeing your career grow further. And I look forward to how, seeing how your rugby gets on as well when you get back this season. So we will be in touch, no doubt. And we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much for listening to episode 15 of the Be Ready Training Podcast. Be sure to check out Nick's work online. I'll be back next week with another episode. We'll chat to you then.